Hi everyone, I'm Colby Horton. And I'm Frank Humata. And we'd like to welcome you to episode two of Engaging in the Next. It's an original podcast from Association Briefings where we talk about what's next for the association community when it comes to technology, Marcom strategy, people, membership, and money. And today we're tackling a topic on a lot of people's minds. I mean, certainly the media is helping drive the discussion a bit. We're talking about the great resignation and we're going to put a little spin on it. We're going to look at it from the perspective of the association community and how it could actually have a positive impact on your organization. So Frank, open up any issue of Forbes or Harvard Business Review, the Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur, I mean, really any other business-focused publication, and you're going to see article after article discussing the Great Resignation. Mm-hmm. And you'll like this, Frank. The Great Resignation was predicted by a Texas A&M professor named Anthony Klotz in April 2021. Ooh, shout out. (laughs) And the phrase will probably dominate business discussions through at least the end of this year. But in reality, the idea of the Great Resignation is probably very much embedded in discussions of the future of work for many years to come. So as of today, what exactly does the Great Resignation really mean? Simply put, it means that people are leaving their jobs in droves. And in many cases, they're leaving good-paying, secure jobs. The end result is companies needing people to fill those open positions. But it also means that companies are reevaluating parts of their business that they haven't touched in years, which can definitely be a positive thing for their workforce. Here's a stat for you. In in December alone, over 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs. And it seems like they're not quitting necessarily to find a new kind of work, but to find different work that aligns more with their life goals or their values or their personal wants or needs. And it's causing companies to focus on the value of human capital, which, let's face it, it's, that's a good thing for one-fifth of the American workforce who have left their position since April 2021. You know, Colby, the great resignation has also become a great segue topic into further future of work discussions, things like remote work, four-day work weeks, um, focus on mental health, better training and benefits, have all come to the forefront of workplace conversations. So you got to believe the discussions have moved into the association space. Oh, no doubt. But enough from us. Let's swing the conversation towards our guest. Today, we're joined by Carrie McGovern, CAE, Senior Director of Membership for the Association of Corporate Counsel. By way of a political science degree, she's been in the association membership field for over a decade. She's an avid theater goer, amateur baker, and lives in Washington, D.C. with her cat, husband, and two kids in order of neediness. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Of course, thanks for joining us. And Carrie, you're, you're pretty well connected in the association space. How is the Great Resignation affecting associations right now? I think this is the conversation I'm having with um, everyone I know in my network right now. And what we're, what we're seeing in, in my friend group and my colleague group is that people are leaving without new jobs. That's, that's burnout 101, right? Everyone has been doing too much for too long and there doesn't seem to end in sight and they're just walking away. I think the, the, ne- the next thing that we're seeing is that um, is money. It's compensation packages. People are like, why am I doing all this work for this salary? 
at this particular organization, what's it worth? Um, another, another thing that I feel personally that I've been struggling with is sort of this idea of innovation burnout, right? For the last two years, we'd have to rethink, redo, reinvent. And I know that that part of my soul is, I call it, it's like not a renewable resource for me. Um, and it, it's tapped out right now. And I, I, need, I need time and space to be able to innovate. Uh, and so I think those are three things that I've been seeing that are really affecting people's ability to, to want and stay employed in associations. Okay, so you gave us a couple of reasons why people are leaving. Uh, for the people who are leaving, are they staying in the association space? Like I said, a lot of people are just walking. Hmm. They're like, I need to take six months just to figure out what I need to do uh, next, right? Uh, the, the, without a plan. I think other people are sort of like, oh, I'm going to keep looking, but if the association space can't offer me what I need, that flexibility, that time, that mental well-being, I'm going to go look to another industry that possibly can. You know, what are some things an association can do internally to, to stop an exodus uh, before it starts? <laughs> what, what, there's like a, an expression, like an idiom, it's like a pinch of prevention is worth a pound of cure or something like that. But that's really it. It's, it's it, it be engaged with your employees, like understand, like you should see this coming. Like I always say like, it shouldn't, you, you should not be shocked when people leave your organization because you should know if people are happy or not. You need to recognize if there's an issue early on. I think we have to pay a lot of attention to salary. People keep leaving for more money then you need to look at your pay bands, do a salary survey. Make sure you're, you're compensating at the right level. And then also, what does your entire compensation package look like? So as much as compensation is salary, what is that 401k match? What is your PTO policy? What sort of flexibility do you have? Is it a four-day week? Is it a hybrid environment? Are you giving people, are you being responsive to what people are needing? There used to be this hard line between work and life. You know, you were one person in the office and then you went and you lived your life somewhere else. And that's been obliterated. We see people's dogs and cats and kids and, you know, I'm going to be offline because I'm going to the doctor, but I'm, I'm finishing up at 10 p.m., right? We have to embrace that and that people bring their whole selves to work. If anything about COVID has taught us that is that we were better without those separations. I think you also need to think about do people have the tools to accomplish what you're asking them to do? Um, I had some friends when um, quarantine first happened in March of 2020 who didn't have laptops, right? They were like sent home to do their work from home and they literally didn't have the most basic machine to do their work on, right? So you have to make sure that you're, you're empowering your staff to accomplish what you need them to accomplish. Um, and then I, this is something I know my organization does really well. Every global staff meeting we have monthly, we do something called kudos and we publicly celebrate wins and we publicly acknowledge to the entire staff the great work that they've done. And if you're sort of cynical like me, the first few times I was like, this is ridiculous. It's taking like 15 minutes to like read all of this stuff. And now it's it's my favorite part of what we do as, as sort of, we call it the ACC family, as our community, as our colleague community, is so we can publicly celebrate the hard work that everyone's been doing and recognize that 
Um, because especially in a remote environment, you don't necessarily see in a day-to-day what everyone's doing. And so to hear about it really creates that sort of intrinsic culture that you can't, you can't fake, right? And we do all generally celebrate each other. My, my last thing, and this is another thing that ACC does really well um, on this topic, is just get help. If someone leaves, hire a temp immediately. There are too many people in the association space that have what a, um, a former colleague of mine called a Frankenstein's monster position, where they started in one job and someone quit. And so now they're doing a piece of another job and then <laughs> someone else left. And now they have a little piece of this job, right? And that is the road to burnout, let me tell you. And once that person leaves, I've seen too many job descriptions where, where you're trying to hire Frankenstein's monster position again. And it just doesn't work that way. So bring on temps, bring on the work, make sure your long-term employees aren't going to burn out. So in some cases, departure can, can lead to growth. So how best should an association present this opportunity to uh, an emerging leader within the organization? Or how can an association score that, that coveted young professional and hire them into the organization? Right. I think if you talk to anyone that's on a leadership track, all they want is training like training, 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 like help us succeed. Uh, Don't put someone in a leadership or a managerial position and say, good luck, right? (laughs) Don't set expectations that you would have of a seasoned leader. You need to give them room to learn. And part of learning is failure and hiccups and that's okay. But again, management training, I think is so critical to anyone who's looking to um, ascend in a position. Yeah, you know, it's it, interesting. Everything you just mentioned is, you know, it, it certainly isn't limited to the association world. This is what the corporate world talks about all the time as, as well. So it makes sense that the association world is certainly dealing with the same trials and tribulations that the corporate world is, is dealing with when it comes to the, the great resignation. So let, let's shift from the internal association and talk about the industries they serve because here's here's where I believe the the opportunity for associations really lie. Uh, you know the the industries, the the membership, the businesses um, that the associations serve. They've been dealt some some difficult cards in the in the last two years or so. I mean, when COVID hit, members often turned to the association to provide the guidance that they needed to keep afloat, or the guidance they needed to navigate through. You know, what everyone was termed you know, unprecedented times. Do you think their great resignation is is similar in scope? I do think that it's similar in the opportunity for associations to, to fill maybe like a void in the marketplace. That makes sense. So obviously the association itself has many different resources that can, again, just like COVID, help with keeping those members and their businesses afloat during some some trying times here. What are some of the things that an association can do to help industry professionals find new career paths or industry employers find replacements for those that have have moved on? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing you need to do is look at your job board. If you don't have a job board, go get a job board. This is such a win-win. I, I think for, first of all, it's a great source of non-dues revenue. And I say that as a membership professional, uh, but non-dues revenue is very important. 
Also, the job board is unique because it it's a curated experience, right? And that's how you have to talk about it. Your potential employers should be seeing this as a curated pool of applicants. If they're coming to your organization to use your job board, then they are looking for a very specific type of person. And the same thing for applicants. They know that the jobs on this particular board are probably curated to what exactly what they're looking for. Otherwise, they would have looked for it somewhere else, right? I also think that this is a great opportunity for associations to get into the training game. Training certification, start putting some uh, guardrails around what it means to uh, be an employer and an employee in this new paradigm. Uh, one example I have is ACC during our last annual meeting, put on an entire session about interviewing over Zoom. And they, we went back to the basics, like where should you position your head in the camera, right? What should you be saying? How do you actively listen over Zoom? What are the right amount of time to wait in between someone finishing a sentence and you starting? And this all seems really simple, but when you're not face-to-face, you don't have these, these um, visual cues of a conversation. And it was really popular and really helpful. And so I think associations should be thinking about the sort of soft skills that are intersecting with technology where they can help employees either, or you can help people either find their new job or even our HR department was saying all first round interviews are probably going to be Zoom now, right? It, it, it saves time. Um, I think it um, it helps everyone, right? There's nothing worse than like driving out to a job interview for half an hour and then, you know, leaving again. You're like, great, I spent more on gas. I think another thing that associations could step in and fill the hole, again, um, with soft skills, is is training on hybrid management, right? We're, we're so used to, to managing people in the office. And I think trial by fire, we've all gotten used to managing people remotely, but as people start going back into the office and whatever level your, your organization is doing that, or maybe they're not doing it at all, we need to learn how to manage people full-time remotely, like long-term remote employees. And that's a bit of a different paradigm when you think about um, engagement and retention and uh, putting some programs together, some education sessions for your members, I think is, is really helpful and would be very popular also, uh, thinking about ways that you can codify these things, right? I, like, I would love to, to be able to go and get a remote manager certification and put that badge in uh, my LinkedIn profile. And it's as simple as that sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're hitting on a point that you, you hit on earlier as well. I mean, there's so many studies out there that talks about how employees, you know, they, they seek career growth and professional development opportunities. And I mean, let's face it, the, the association world can hand that over. I mean, most associations have some type of certification program or some type of education and training initiative that they can certainly provide the industry and help employers with the, the training and the growth of their employees. So absolutely, the association should be promoting that uh, to the industry at large. You know, with so many professionals on the move, what can an association do to promote and attract people to the industry or the profession that they may serve? 
Yeah, I that's it's really interesting to think about that. I think sometimes the association is is like the public face of the industry. And we talk about that a lot in our organization. We we just looked at our branding guides again and thought a lot about tone, right? Mm-hmm. So like what sort of like tone are you um are you portraying? What sort of subject matter are you looking at in the legal field right now? It's a lot of talk about ESG what companies are doing around ESG and how they can position themselves because there's going to be a lot of requir- reporting requirements that are coming in from the SEC. Uh, so how can companies start upskilling their workers around ESG is something we've been thinking about. It's hard to hire around that. So what can what can we do to maybe develop a program and then Again, bring it full circle to what associations do best, what we do best, right? It's in the DNA of associations to like educate. You know, this, this also gives the opportunity as associations continue to promote their industries and, and be that, that landing spot for those that may be searching. Same can be true about helping young people searching for a place to land too, correct? Yeah, I think so. I remember looking for my first job. I mean, I'm a lifetime ASA member because I got my first association job on the ASA job board. But I remember looking at it being like, "Mm, I sort of want to go into nonprofits. Like, what should I do? I guess I'll look here. Right. And here I am 10 years later talking to you. So (laughs) I think it's an incredible opportunity once, once they find you and that engagement point, right. That point about tone and seeing as like a warm and welcoming industry, uh, is is really critical. And associations can certainly tell that story. You know, one thing that today's times are, are, are teaching us is to, to refocus on things that may not have been overly popular in the past, if you will. If we talk today about well-being and, and mental health in the workplace, I mean, those are, those are huge topics when it comes to whether a person stays in a job or, or leaves to go elsewhere. How can associations lead the industry charge to, to teaching about mental health in the workplace? Yeah, I, I think this is twofold. One is um, we've all learned that it's critical, right, to, to staff retention and the idea that you're bringing your whole self to work uh, and being seen. Uh, the other part is, it is I think it could be potentially a really attractive part of working in an association. So from the hiring perspective, um, our um, VP of HR has gone as far as she got a, uh, a mental health first aid certification from the National Council of Mental Wellbeing so that she is actually trained to um, identify and be the first point of contact for anyone that might be having a mental health crisis in the organization. And when I was talking to her about it, she was like, oh, you know, we're, we want to make sure that um, like we're really taking care of our staff and we're not, you know, missing anything that we might be missing. So we won't get the certification. And I was like, what do um, candidates say when you, when you tell them about this? And she said, they're, they're shocked. And, but I think it really talks about how ACC is going that extra step to really yeah. support employees. And so whether your staff is going to get a certification or maybe you're creating this, this certification, right, in, in your organization, 
the idea that a credential adds some um, authority and cachet to what you might already be doing. Um, another thing our organization has done is we call it Wellness Wednesdays, which is another catchphrase that would ordinarily make my, my skin crawl a little bit. But, you know, again, by, by the third one, I was bought in, right? And it might be that we're all on the Zoom call and we all turn off our cameras and someone's leading us through a breathing exercise or someone is telling a personal story or telling, uh, giving a, a tip on organization or burnout or something like that. And just knowing that it's there, talking about it all the time, I think makes everyone feel comfortable to, again, bring your whole self to work, understand that you can have a bad day, understand that work can be a safe place for you. Great points. And I think we're also finding a lot of associations are starting to incorporate the idea of, of mental health and well-being into their you know, education sessions at their at their shows or generating some great content for their magazine or their newsletter that's certainly uh, revolving around the issue of, of mental health and well-being. So I think those are all great ideas. Hey, Carrie, we really appreciate you being part of today's discussion. If you don't mind, we like to put our guests in uh, the hot seat for a final segment we like to call the briefings minute. You good? Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to fire off uh, a minute worth of questions just to learn a little bit more about you. I want you to give us the first answer that comes to mind. No okay. pressure. <laughs> All right. You ready? Okay. Here we go. go. What would you remove from your day to make it easier? Mm, uh, making lunches. What's your most used emoji? Uh, the crying laughing. I'm such an old millennial. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, Tina Turner, um, Rolling on the River. I can't think of it. It's the song. I think that's right. Yeah. You, you want to sing a line of it? I'm not, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that was my question. Okay. Uh, what are you binge watching right now? Oh, um, we're watching The After Party on Apple TV. It's very funny. Excellent. All right. Dancing with the Stars or So You Think You Can Dance? Oh, so you think you can dance. Did Frank write that question? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Disney question. Epcot or Magic Kingdom? Epcot. Beach or mountains? Thai. We're looking for a sponsor. Favorite DC lunch spot? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I love Clyde's. I'm so old school Mm. DC. Clyde's forever. Would Would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future? Oh, 10 minutes. Agreed. And Carrie, if you didn't work in the association community, what industry would you want to work in? Oh, I don't know. I've always felt that I'd be very good as the person who thinks of the names of nail polishes. (laughs) We have never had that answer before, nor do I think we're ever going to have it again. I think that's the buzzer. Hey, thanks again for joining us, Carrie, and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Engaging in the Next. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact what's next in the association world. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about association briefings, be sure to visit us at associationbriefings.com. Thanks again, Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you.